He is worthy. And he is the only one who is worthy. Uh, I'm supposed to have more words. I, uh, I prayed for uh, direction for the message as I, uh, as I always do. And you've heard me say this before long ago. It was recommended to me and I made it a practice when I knew or at least could anticipate that I was going to be preaching the next Sunday, I would pray this prayer over and over until I prayed through. And the Lord, I, I could sense that He had answered it. Lord, if you could stand in this place, if Jesus could stand in this pulpit this morning and talk to you and talk to me, what would He say? I, I realize that is such a lofty thing. And after... Uh, more than 20 years now of trying, I still don't feel like, Fred, that I've ever quite, <laughs> and I know that I won't in some ways, but he has been faithful down through the years to take sometimes what was nothing more than my just ramblings and speak to hearts. There's nothing that has blessed me more down through the years than to have someone come up to me and say, I want you to know that the Lord said this to me. I heard him speak this into my heart, however that happens, however he does that. And for the life of me, I kept thinking, I don't remember saying that at all. I don't remember that being in the notes. I don't remember. The, it, it was, it's in those moments that it was confirmation that you and I right now, r presently, are a part of something where God can just speak to each and every heart, right where you're at. Individually. Personally, He knows you and He knows me for all that we are and for all that we are not. And He loves us. And He's the only one, Scripture tells us, in all, in all of history, in all of every created thing that is worthy to open the scroll. I want us to look just a little closer at this passage uh, this morning. Oh, as I prayed that prayer, here's what I heard the Lord say. You're going to be astounded how profound this is. Lord, what would you say? This is, this is what it, it was. Tell them, remind them, I am enough. For whatever the need is, what, what, wherever you're at, Whatever you're facing, biggest thing you've ever went through, easiest thing you've ever went through, strangest thing you've ever went through, most unexpected thing you've ever went through, wherever it, you are, whatever it is, I am enough. I'm all you need for that. It, and, and I think that's so vital, not because it's new, but because we have gone through a season that has greatly tested for you and I whether we believe that. As individuals, as couples, as families, as a church, as students, do we believe that? He is enough. He is able and He is worthy. Even in the face of everything that we have been seeing over these last 
what, six, seven months now. The seasons are changing, have you noticed? That's right, I'm right there with you. Summer is giving way now to fall, the cooler temperatures. Hot giving way to cool. Uh, the growing season is coming to an end. Harvesting is beginning. I drove over about 20 miles of, uh, of Pike County territory uh, yesterday and uh, was, it was very evident that harvest was in full swing, at least in the bottoms. They are getting with it. I mean, and, and uh, people everywhere working. We need to be in prayer. The harvest is, uh, the physical harvest is, is vital for our, our country. It's vital for our community. It's vital for our church, people in our church. And the harvest doesn't bring itself in, does it? How great that would be if some, why don't somebody invent something about that? But it doesn't. We've come a long way. can do a whole lot more, a whole lot quicker. But it's still a, it's still a dangerous occupation, and we need to be in prayer for those who are working night and day, uh, to bring in the harvest. But you know something? I guess it's the preacher in me. As I drove around and saw people park, uh, I mean, I, I literally, I saw a Cadillac sedan parked out in a cornfield. I guess he was a tractor driver or something. I don't know what, what the deal was. But there he was, about 10 rows in. And uh, I just thought, ah. You know, I'm glad you went to work. Don't know if I'd park her there, but uh, but you know what it what it said to me was uh, there's somebody they're going to show up and they're going to be there and do what they're asked to do, even if it means parking their Cadillac in the cornfield to get the harvest in. Anybody want to fill in where I'm getting ready to go with this? Well, Fred, let me tell you, there's a harvest of souls out there all around us. Every person drawing breath on this planet. And the Bible has said for more than 2,000 years now, those fields are white, ready, ripe unto harvest. I just wonder how many of God's people are willing to take their Cadillac and put it in the cornfield. Lord, help me, help us to be willing to say, if I have said yes to Jesus and welcomed Him into my heart and my life and I know Him as my Savior, I don't, I don't have a care or concern anymore now. It's all about other people. It's all about other people knowing who I know and receiving what I have received and gaining what I have gained so that no one be lost. God, help us. Nothing will revive our church anymore than a fresh wind and a fresh fire of seeing every person that walks this planet as a soul that Christ died for and that He dearly loves. Period. And that we would do anything and everything. One thing I was inspired by as a young boy in the Church of the Nazarene when we would have mission services and all these other things, I, I don't recall anybody specifically saying it. They must have because it stuck. I, I just came away from those times with this understanding if there is one soul left anywhere on the planet that doesn't know Jesus, 
If nobody else does, the church of the Nazarene will go to them. We will find a way to get to where they are to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they can hear and they can have the opportunity to invite Jesus into their... I just, I just came away from it with, we're going to find a way. Somebody's going to go. We're going to give. We're going to do whatever we can do here locally. And it may be some from our own number that get called to go, but some way or another, we're going to make it happen. And we've done a great job of it down through the years. And there's still souls out there that need to be reached. Still souls that need to know Jesus. And the other thing I came away from it with is, it's great if God calls you to Africa. It's great if God calls you wherever. But Los Angeles and Colorado Springs and Dallas-Fort Worth and St. Louis and Springfield and Chicago and New York, they need, they need us just as badly. They need the gospel just as much. Pittsfield needs missionaries, needs people sold out to the gospel and saying, Lord, my life means nothing to me now. I gave that up. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Why? He's worthy. He's worthy. When we come to the book of Revelation, and I'll be honest with you, as a, as a, a pastor, as a preacher, I, I haven't preached a lot, a whole lot from Revelation. I've preached through the book before. I've preached from it. But quite honestly, I, I haven't preached from it probably as much as I should. The book starts out telling us this is the Word of God to the churches. It's the Word of the Lord for the churches. And it's the revelation of none other than Jesus Christ Himself. That's why it's called Revelation. It reveals just as it does and nowhere any more powerfully than it does right here in chapter 5 that all of history and all of creation and everything around us centers and focuses upon one person, the only one who is worthy, the only one who is able to open the scroll. When you travel through this book, we've we're a little ways into it here at chapter 5. In the first four chapters, the seven letters to the churches have been given and offered and they're now in their fullness and taking shape to be sent out. And Christ Himself has dictated much of these letters and these words to the churches. And then in chapter 4, my Bible heads it up, the revelation of heaven. The revelation of of heaven and it and it gives us a glimpse into many of you have asked this question what is heaven like what will heaven be like revelation chapter 4 as as much as we have and know about it so much is right there this we know continual worship around the throne of god not night and day all day all the time there is no night and they are forever. The song of heaven, Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. They do not rest day or night. Why? Because they're saying, they're singing, Holy, 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 Lord God 
Almighty, who was and is and is to come. I don't think that's an accident. I think it's a model. I think it's a model for us to be practicing right now. For us to be a people who, whatever comes, whatever happens in this life, whatever more 2020 can bring on, our reply, our response, our song, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Why? Because there is absolutely nothing that can change that. It's as sure as and even more sure than the sun coming up this morning. It's certain. Well, give me just a few more minutes and I want to take us through this chapter very quickly. I just want to point out a couple of things. We don't have anywhere near the kind of time uh, to, to unpack everything that's in these 14 verses. But when we jump into this fifth chapter here, we, we, we are getting to the main vision of Revelation, of the book. Jesus, as I said, He's already appeared to John and He's, he's given these, these messages these letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor, and, and, and they've been individually addressed. But now here we are in the main part of the vision, and it, and it begins with this, this profound reminder of God's glory and His sovereignty. In chapter 4, John is, is shown all of these images, these powerful and, and symbolic images, and it reveals God on the throne and it reveals this constant worship of Him that is taking place in the presence of God around the throne all the time. And then the vision continues on when we get into chapter 5. And, and I think we can, we can look at it and see a couple of things that are happening here in this chapter. First of all, there's a dilemma. A scroll has been brought forth, but it's sealed with seven seals. And the only way it can be opened is if there is one who is worthy, who, in whom there is no sin, who is, who is the perfect example of righteousness, faithfulness, love, and hope, and joy, and peace. Someone in whom all the fullness of the Godhead dwells. And John at first, watching this scene unfold in heaven, weeps. Because a scroll that he is sure contains all that needs to be known about what's next is present, but it can't be opened. It's there. It's, it's written on the front and the back of this scroll but it can't be unlocked. And, and apparently we're given to understand that there's a search that takes place in heaven among all who are there, who are gathered there, the elders, the, the saints who have gone on, the, the angels. Can you imagine? Can, and, and, and here's the astonishing thing. Out of every angel that God has ever created, out of every saint and every elder that is gathered around the throne, no one, no one is worthy to open the scroll. Surely somebody down through 
the ages had lived. And surely one of the patriarchs, surely Enoch or somebody that was so, so close to God that God just took him. But hey, surely one of the angels, if not a, if not a human, then surely an angel. There's at least one out of the multitude of multitude and multitudes of heavenly hosts. And surely one. And we hear in chapter 4, John says, I wept because no one, no one was worthy to open the scroll. You want to talk about the most cataclysmic disappointment that could ever happen in someone's life. We're looking at it. The scroll, of, and, 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 and John would have understood the significance of a scroll. For John, a, a scroll would have been paramount to a contract. And if it was sealed, it was, it was the word of the king. It was the contract. It was binding. Whatever was there, whatever was contained in that was unquestionable. It was the law. It was, it was the all in all. There would be no dispute. Whatever was contained in that scroll, if it could be opened, if it could be known... It was the very Word of God, the heart of God, the, the power. It carried everything about it. And John, seeing that nobody could open it, wept. Could you imagine? Let me. This isn't even close to it, but here's something similar. What if I told you What I have here, and please understand, those of you who have fought this, faced this, or going through it right now, I mean no disrespect whatsoever. What if I told you, right here, cure for cancer. Total, right here, gone. Gone. Nobody gets to see it. Nobody worthy to open it. Nobody can look at it and read it. Tell us what it says. What do you think? John said, I wept. And I wept because nobody could open the scroll. Nobody could... Nobody could take the scroll and though it contained all that we needed to know about what God was, how God was going to bring everything to completion, how God was going to take all of this, everything we've, not, not just what I can see, but all that's ever been created and all of time and all of history, how He's going to take it all and, and just bring it all together and just bring it into completion and wholeness and everything He ever intended it to be. It's right there. But nobody can open it. Nobody can tell us. Do you know that most of, even still 2,000 years later, most of those who have believed in the one true God lived before they ever knew? Not a cross of Calvary. This 
This chapter starts with a great dilemma. And it's not something that's unique in all of Scripture. It's a, it's a scroll, and, and John may have been aware, probably was, that the prophet Ezekiel had, had, had talked about something akin to this in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, when he said, And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me, and it had writing on the front and on the back, and there were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. I think John was thinking about that. It sure is awfully similar to what he says here in chapter 5. So clearly this vision here in Revelation 5 is, is following this same kind of pattern that Ezekiel is talking about. Now, here's the part that in our American mindset we really struggle with. We want it to just be some glorious, flowery, beautiful, positive answer. We want whatever's written there just to be party balloons and confetti and woo. Ezekiel says, and John recognizes as well, what is written on it is words of lamentation and mourning and woe. I'm a father of seven daughters, which means, well, since we have twins, I've, I've played a very, very, very small role. I've actually only sat on the sidelines of seven deliv deliveries, six, six deliveries. We'll work out the math problem later. I think it's six, right? Okay. Oh, this is hard work sometimes. Anyway, however number it is. Here's something I've noticed. And we've had babies enter the world in multiple ways without going into very much detail. No matter what, hang with me, I'm getting there. You're making it tough on me, but I'm getting there. I'm going to make a note. Mike Adams does this. Don't use this illustration anymore. Here's what I've noticed with all of them. No matter the way, no matter the scenario, there is some aspect, some level, some degree of difficulty and hardship and struggle and pain before there's ever a delivery. Before there's ever a woohoo! Praise the Lord! Baby's here. Now I'm equally amazed at how much all that other stuff kind of tends to not go away. I'm not going to get. I'm not going to say that. But it fades. But before there's ever a delivery, before there's ever that new life welcomed into this world, there's a hard thing to go through. Hard things to deal with and and push through. John can only weep because he doesn't see anybody that can open the scroll. That's the dilemma. We're down about as low as we can get. Do you feel it? I mean, it's kind of even in the... It's just kind of, oh, man. 
You just get me out of here. I don't even want to don't even want to be in this situation. We're stuck. We've got the answer and we have nobody to open the scroll. What do we do? We get to verse 5. But one of the elders said to me, "Do not weep. I'm so thankful God has put some people in my life like elders who have been able to come along when I'm I'm just ready to say and they've come along and said don't weep don't weep you may feel like this dilemma is so big and so heavy and and it may seem like there is no one in all of heaven and in all of earth there is no hope there is no answer there is no solution but there is one there is one and he is able He's able. Look at it. He said Verse 5, but one of the elders said to me, "Do not weep. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals." And I looked, and behold, say behold. Oh, you don't Behold. Look at this. There is one. There is hope. There is a solution. As low as it seemed, as dark as it appeared, as difficult as it was, as heavy and oppressive and seemingly hopeless as it looked, there is one. And he is able to open the scroll. He is able. He alone has the words of life for you and for me. the solution is one who is called the lion and the lamb he is the lion of the tribe of judah that's a phrase from genesis 49 and 9 he is called the root or or the offspring of david john took that from isaiah chapter 11 and he is called the lamb now that's all over the old testament from the passover all the way to the suffering servant that is to come. And nobody explains it any better than John does in his book in John chapter 1. He is the lamb. There is no argument here of who this is. No one throughout history has ever argued that this might be someone other than Jesus the Christ. In all of the attempts down through history to dispel what revelation and daniel and these other apocryphal books might be saying or not saying nobody mark it down nobody has ever disputed that this could possibly be someone else anyone else other than the person of jesus christ he is the lion he is the lamb he is the root of david he is the lamb of god that takes away the sin of the world He's the one who told his disciples on the evening before his slaying in John chapter 16 verse 33 I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation but take heart I have overcome the Greek word there is nikeo I have conquered the world I have defeated every enemy that could ever come against you praise his name
He is the one. So we've got this huge dilemma. And now we've been shown a solution. There's only one thing left. What's the response? It's the so what? It's the how do you respond to this? Well, in the few minutes we've got left, I want to do this. I want to show you what all of heaven did. And then I want to ask you, what are you doing? What are you going to do? The dilemma, no one was found worthy to open the scroll. The solution, there is one, and he can open the scroll. And the response, look at verse 8. Now he had taken the scroll. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of of the saints. I love that, don't you? Not a one escapes. You don't pray a prayer that God doesn't say, heard it, got it, it's in the bowl. Isn't that awesome? Not a one. Not a one. Next time you you have you have this float through your mind, I've been praying this prayer and God didn't answer. Just write it down. It's in the bowl. It's in the bowl. It's not lost. He didn't not hear it. He didn't forget it. It didn't not get there. It's in the bowl. He's got it. It's there. He says, the prayers of the saints in verse 9, and they, this is their response. Remember? Deep dilemma. We've got the scroll. It's got what we need. It's got the words of life. It's got the whole thing. How it all wraps up. How it all comes together. It's got the whole vision of Revelation. And, and if you go through the rest of the book, you'll see this laid out, especially when you get to chapter 10. But it's got it right there. But nobody can open the scroll. I'm just sick that nobody can open the scroll. But there is one. Praise the Lord. It is Jesus. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the Root of David. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He is here. And He has taken the scroll. And so what should all of heaven do? Let's sing. That's the response. They sang a new song saying, verse 9, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people, and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. But that's not the end of it. There's more singing. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. I don't have any clue. What, I mean, that, that's, just, that's a big number. Saying, it's the largest choir you can ever think of. As a kid, I watched Billy Graham Crusades. And they always had these massive hundreds and hundreds of people back in the background choirs. I don't know how many there were. It looked like 
500 or 1,000 people or more. And Cliff Barrows would, like everybody could see him, but he would, he would direct this massive crowd. And Ethel Waters would get up and sing this special song. She was a beautiful, beautiful woman that would sing. A mom, she was like a mom figure. I mean, you just loved her and you didn't even know her. But she would sing, His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know. And she would add the little tag, and little children, I know. He watches we. Can you, re can you sing about that? Can you rejoice about, if you can't, I don't, I don't know, I, I, got, I got nothing else. And there's, there's, nothing else, there's nothing else that we need. We've been perplexed in these days, haven't we? What do we do? What's this all about? I can't make sense of it. Heads or I don't know. The whole world seems to have gone crazy. You know, whatever our thoughts are. I sing because I'm happy. And I sing because I'm free. I'm not bound by anything that has come before me, anything that has happened right now, or anything that may come that I don't even know about yet. I'm not bound by that. I'm bound by this. The Word of God that declares to me, there is one who is able to open the scroll. There is one who is able to declare to you and to me the hope of everlasting life. That there has been a remedy paid for the sin in our lives. For, for, the, for the, the danger that presented to us as our living souls could be lost in hell forever. Oh, that we could be a nation that would fear the, 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 the punishment of the wrath of God in, in a sinner's hell forever. If we could fear that the way we fear COVID. You want to see a nation experience revival? If we could get a, if our world could grab a hold of this notion that there absolutely is a pandemic, there absolutely is an attack and an enemy that is going after every single soul on this planet, and long after the bodies lay wasted in the ground, it's looking to destroy something so much more eternal than that. But there is one. There is one. We can't overcome a virus. But Jesus, the righteous one, has overcome sin and death and hell for all time, for you and for me. And He offers it. This is the part I'll never understand. He offers it as a free gift. You know, I would have expected that when He takes the scroll and opens it, there would be something in the end there that would say something like, well, this is really good. This is it. And if you want it. You ever seen that scene with kids wanting candy or something and somebody's, and all the kids are, jump, nobody, okay. Uh, this is it. This is it. But if you want it, here's what you got to do. Nope. Nope. 
if you want it, here's. He takes the scroll and he opens it and they just sing. You know why? Because they know this is free. This is for all of us. This is for everybody. We all get it. Everybody that wants it, just go get it. Just go get it. It's free. Go get it. Now here's the most amazing thing. Some people won't just go get it. I'll never understand that one either. I've had too many things in my life that seemed impossible for me to be able to attain. Goals, stuff, possessions, things. I've looked out and said, I don't know how I could ever attain that. I don't know how I could ever get that. Even if I chose to pursue it, I don't know, I don't know how I would gain that and get that. But the most precious gift in all the world, the gift of eternal salvation, the gift of that scroll being opened to say that Jesus, the righteous one, has died for you and for me. He has paid the price so that we can have eternal life is free. It's free. Praise His name. Well, how will you respond? The worship team is going to come back. We're going to wrap this up. You thought it would never happen, but we're there. I've asked them to come back and help us to sing a song that we sang a little earlier. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's do that. I like that. Let's all stand together this morning. You've, you've watched this once. You've heard it once. And maybe you caught it, maybe you didn't, that, that the, the music and the words were right in line with the Scripture that we've looked at this morning. But here's an opportunity to sing it. Because now you have seen it bore out in Scripture and, and you believe it. Here's what I, I want to be careful with. It's easy to just proclaim He's worthy. We've been kind of conditioned for that, most of us. But Pastor BJ put it as well as anybody could last week when he said, it's one thing to believe. Do you trust Him? Do you trust Him? Do you trust Him enough to lay yourself and, and your family and your, your circumstances, your situations, your health, all that? Do you trust Him enough to lay that all on the line and say, Lord, here it is. It's yours. I trust you. I trust you. Not throwing away common sense but trusting Him completely. Letting our common sense drive us to say, Lord, I put it in Your hands. Because common sense tells me I can't save myself. I can't fix this on my own. But You are worthy. You are worthy. Do you have that up there, Jonathan? Can we do that again? That video at the first? The words are on the screen. If you can't sing this, if you can't sing it and really mean it, there's an altar here for you to come and humble yourself and pray and say, Lord... I know I should, but I just don't. And I want to believe this. I want to get a hold of this. And I'm coming to acknowledge that I need you and that you are worthy. And I want that to be the song of my life. There's an altar here. We'd love to pray with you. Help you get that just settled and nailed down this morning. Let's sing together. It comes on the screen.
Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? Amen. Do you believe it this morning? Do you wish that you could see it all?
you believe it, say praise the Lord. Bless His name. And if the elders and the angels don't get off and they sing it 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, around the clock, there is no night, there is no day, then we should keep singing it and keep declaring it over and over again. I shared this with Michelle earlier in the week. R.T. Williams, one of our former general superintendents, stood at a general assembly about 60 years ago. And those people called Nazarenes were kind of divided because they couldn't decide, are TVs a good thing in our home or not? Is worldly adornment, earrings and necklaces and wedding bands, is that a good thing or not? And R.T. Williams just had about all he could take of it. Shallow talk. And he got up before that assembly, and among many things that he said, which was particularly saying, we got to get on to things that really matter. But after that, he said this, I love us as a people. I believe in our message. I believe in who we are. I believe in what we've been and where God has brought us from and where He wants to take us to. But here's my greatest concern. I am not concerned that we will go in the wrong direction. We love the Lord too much. We're seeking His face too much. But I am concerned that we won't go at all. Why? Fear? Worry? Dread? Doubt? I'm not concerned we'll go in the wrong direction. I'm concerned we won't go at all. We stand probably at as pivotal time, surely in my life, as there's ever been, for the people of God to make a decision here and now. Lord, we're going with You. We're going with You. You lead the way as You lead our hearts collectively. And we're going to pray for one another. We're done with division. We're done with splitting apart or whatever it may be. We're going to seek the Lord together. Take a moment, look around, as many people as you can remember and see in this place. Pray for them this week. And as many that aren't here, pray for them this week. God, raise us up. We've been beaten. We've been attacked. We've been hit. Raise us up to a new day. You are worthy. You're worthy. There may not be any other answer among us. There may not be any other one among us. But you are worthy. The Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah, He is faithful. Oh God, seal this into our hearts. Seal that great scene around the throne of God into our hearts and minds today. And as we go from this place, may we be reminded who we are in You, who You have called us to be, and who You desire for us to be in the days ahead. A people that know that no matter what is in the media or what our world declares or which way the election goes or what the culture says, there is one who is worthy. And our focus is on Him, Christ Jesus, the Righteous One. And we will declare the goodness of our God to everyone around us. We're done with looking at anything else or giving our attention anywhere else 
We will put our hope and our trust in Jesus alone. He is worthy today. May it be so in each of our lives. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go today.